Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, hello and welcome to episode 37 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, how is it going? How has your week been? Week's been good. Week's been good. It's uh, it's August, so yeah. people are uh, people are starting to think about going back to school. It's kind of a weird time as a parent yeah. in America <laughs> because it's around the time you know the rest of the world doesn't go back to school until like September, but we are starting, and uh, mm-hmm. it's a little scary. Uh, we're trying to trying to maneuver that. In the meantime, it's real hot. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's tough because you have this as a parent, you have this, uh, exciting feeling around school and, you know, the, you know, there's this whole like beginning of fall excitement that's happening and Mm -hmm. you want to be excited, but you also want to be, you know, um, safe and you want your kids to be safe. And so it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird time last year. It was a complete blur. So I don't really have much to compare it to. I've only been a parent of a school age child for a couple of years, but, uh, it's definitely Mm -hmm. a weird, it's, it's a really weird time because you're very excited and you're like trying to do the cool, like school shopping that I loved. I loved school shopping. I loved getting new folders and, you know, bouquets of sharpened pencils. I loved that. Right. So were you a, a trapper keeper kid? What kind of a trapper keeper or folders did you uh, get into? I liked um, Lisa. Oh, Lisa Frank. Frank. She was she was my jam. I was yeah, not allowed she was to the have jam trapper for sure. keepers at school. Oh, we okay. weren't allowed to use them, but there were there. Were, mm. I had I I did have one. I got a secondhand one when I was oh, like okay. in second or third grade, and it was blue and purple, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, but yeah, no, Lisa Frank. In fact, I remember my, in first grade, I had a big fat looking hippo <laughs> that was like in a tutu, okay. but yeah. she was, she was very classy looking. She had these heart shaped sunglasses. And then I had this really cool heart, uh, on a folder. I'll never forget my, my first grade, all my stuff. I was so excited. What about you? Did you do Trapper Keepers? I, uh, yeah, I did Trapper Keepers. I did uh, notebooks and folders, uh, all that good stuff. A lot of uh, soccer themed stuff. I think my Trapper Keeper, the one I remember, was like was like blue and gray. It was very very fancy, very professional looking. I was uh, very nice, you know, a, a top student for sure. Nope, that's not true at all. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, but yeah, back to school shopping's always a fun time. You know, getting everything sorted. Uh, no back to school for me though. But I uh, had some friends in town. They're getting ready to send their little ones back to school. So we had one last trip, one last set of visitors in uh, this weekend. So, you know, still doing the summer stuff, still hiding from the heat outside, but swimming, uh, watch the Olympics, you know, closing ceremonies, ready for the next Olympics to get started. And yeah, other than that, I was just thinking, Michaela, you and Mm -hmm. I, 
I think we need to join a secret society. Oh, like like a cult? <laughs> well, I guess it depends on the secret society. Not one where we like worship a thing or a person, right? We just like, can we like just like get in a cave somewhere and wear cool stuff and like read poetry, find a great teacher telling us to buck the system and think for ourselves? Can we can we join that kind of secret society? Because I'm down with that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the kind I had more in mind. So why don't we go grab ourselves a cocktail and we'll be uh, right back to you chat about it. So this week's cocktail comes from a website called cocktailsandshots.com, which is an amazing name, and it's yep. called The Poet's Dream. And this um, this was an homage to the late, great Robin Williams. Uh, one of the reasons yep. why we picked this film, which is uh, Dead Poet Society, uh, for mm-hmm. the month of our August, is it's very closely tied to the school that it depicts. And it's mm-hmm. kind of going back to school Um, But it's also, it's almost the anniversary of his death. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how you felt about Robin Williams. He was very important to me in my uh, career as well, in my love of movies. And Mm -hmm. so this was something that um, I think in 2017, this, this came out um, on, well, they did this cocktail recipe yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and it was in um i think it was made because i think he died in 2014 so it was a couple years after he had passed so Mm -hmm. um it's called the poet's dream and it is a dream isn't it yeah absolutely it is so this is a very good one in memoriam of uh robin williams for sure um this cocktail it's kind of like uh it's kind of like a jazzed up martini and it is real good. Um, and it uses an ingredient that I'm really high on all of a sudden. Uh, we've used it before. Um, and that's Benedictine. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was extremely excited to see that that was on this ingredient list. You know, it's, it's made out of, uh, some really weird herbs, right. That it ferments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know we've done one one drink in the past with it. I think it was for the Princess Bride's Miracle Pill, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a coffee-based one. And that was the first time either of us had had the Benedictine. And it blended really good in that drink. And I have to say, it blended really excellently in this uh, kind of martini thing. You know, the poet's dream, Michaela. So why don't you run through the ingredients for everyone? I sure will. And I just want to point out, that my husband loved this drink. Okay. Okay. Just before we start, my husband. So wait. Now, a, a disclaimer your husband does not like gin and won't drink any gin. Is that correct? Absolutely will not drink any gin. Okay. He hates gin. Okay. All right. So, so go, go ahead with the, uh, with the ingredients then. Okay. So this has one ounce of gin in it, and uh, we used Booker's London gin. Um, okay. It's got one ounce of dry vermouth, half an ounce of our Benedictine, half an ounce of water and two dashes of Angostura bitters. Mm-hmm. So what you're supposed to do is put it in a glass or a shaker with ice. Don't shake it because you don't want to bruise the gin. You can stir it gently and mm-hmm. then strain it onto into a glass. Now the glass could be chilled. The way I like to chill glasses is rather than keeping them in the freezer is I use ice water to kind of chill them, dump out the mm-hmm. ice water and then pour it directly in. If you are a sipper like me, you can add, um, instead of using the half an ounce of water, you could put a couple ice cubes in and it will have the same effect. So, um, but it's supposed to be real, real cold when you drink it. That's Mm -hmm. the key. And, um, 
my goodness. He, he, he asked, he, I made him like three of these. Oh, okay. <laughs> my non gin drinking husband. Um, he loved this drink. Yeah. Well, he is, he has good taste then because I also loved this drink. Now I, um, so it does, it does, it has a half an ounce of water. So if you wanted to, like you said, if you wanted to serve this on a couple of ice cubes, you could just do that because basically what the water is doing is just, you know, mimicking the effect of having the ice melt. I drank mine straight up in a martini glass, um, chilled, you know, just the same way that Michaela said that she chose her glasses. I did add the water and it was, it was pretty perfect. Um, it comes out, it's this nice, like super pale hue of yellow, um, it looks really nice in the glass. You garnish it with a bit of lemon peel. Um, and my golly it is delicious. It made me have all of the, uh, the poetry in my head was coming to life right there in that uh, glass. Michaela. It was pretty awesome. I gotta say, I was very surprised, um, that it was as good as it was. It's, it is boozy, right? Um, mm-hmm. the water helps kind of make it a little bit more mellow, um, but man, that Benedictine, we got to find more drinks with that in it because I, I think that really sets it right off, you know? Yeah. And now we each have a bottle of Benedictine. So we'll be able to be on the lookout for more recipes with that in it. So yeah. if you, if you have a good recipe, pass it our way for sure. Um, but in the meantime, we have our poet's dreams made. Uh, we hope uh, all of you at home are trying a poet's dream alongside of us. So why don't we take a quick break and we will Uh, probably drink these and then make up another one and then we'll be back to talk about this week's film dead poet society spoiler warning for dead poet society if you've not yet seen dead poet society please do yourself a favor press pause go watch it study some shakespeare maybe learn a line or two from puck and come back and we can chat about it that's right so dead poet society came out in 1989 and it was directed by Peter Weir, and it stars a very young Ethan Hawke and Robert Sean Leonard and the late Robin Williams. Absolutely. Um, this was an amazing film. It was nominated for four Academy Awards. Um, mm-hmm. Alas, it only won one of them. It w- was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which is what it won. It um, was also nominated for Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it sure was. And I think that this was the first time Robin Williams really got any sort of acclaim for his acting um, and more of a serious type of a role, um, getting that nod there for the uh, Academy Award. Um, He was nominated for Good Morning Vietnam, which he had done a couple of years before. Mm -hmm. Um, But he didn't win for that either. In fact, true story, Robin Williams didn't win until 1997 when he won for Good Will Hunting. Um, which was long overdue because he is amazing. But this was definitely um, his first big role that was designed to be dramatic. Um, Mm -hmm. Good Morning Vietnam has some drama aspects to it, of course, but it's much more of a zany kind of, he's, he's, you know, improv comedy that he Mm -hmm. was so famous for in the the 80s. Sure, yeah. And I mean, uh, he was excellent in in this film of courses we're going to talk about it was a pretty stacked field that year so daniel day lewis won the oscar for my left foot but he was also up against morgan freeman and tom cruise on born of the fourth of july morgan freeman for driving miss daisy and kenneth branagh for henry the fifth and he's won and been nominated for several academy awards as well so that was a that was a real stacked year the 1990 uh, academy awards yeah 
Yeah, I, I'm not really surprised that he didn't win this one, but um, but when you look at the course of his entire and the body of work that he did, there were some definitely uh, some other situations where I th- feel he he should have uh, should have taken it home, but. But that's okay. He does amazing in this. In fact, um, what's really interesting is this whole group of, of boys who play these um, school mates. Um, they all actually had to practice. They all lived together while they were filming. Um, the camaraderie is really good. Ethan Hawke, I think this might have been his very first film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's pretty tremendous in it. Um, you know, this is the very, the breakout role for Robert Sean Leonard as well. He was really big in house. Um, and he did much ado about nothing and a couple of other films, um, in the early nineties. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, this, this really was a great platform from which a lot of people, um, you know, really their careers took flight. So let's get into yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. So it, kind of starts off and it sets the stage for where this film is going to be taking place. So you're seeing some like high school age uh, kids, some boys, you know, getting dressed up in like their school, like uniforms uh, with their, you know, fancy jackets and ties. Um, They're getting their pictures taken. You're seeing a kid like assembling a bagpipe and then they start this like bagpipe processional into like, uh, it's almost like this cathedral stage auditorium kind of thing, uh, which they'll be in a couple of times doing like, uh, announcements and uh, you know, student, uh, you know, organizations and things in there, but they're lighting this candle. They call it the light of knowledge. And we're starting a school year at this very elite boarding school. Yes. Yes. I think it's called Welton is the name yeah. of the school. It's supposed to be a prep school. Um, I, when I first saw this, I wasn't really sure what this was. And if, for anybody who doesn't know, um, if you're listening outside of the United States, a preparatory school was really big, especially in New England, where you would send your child away. It was a boarding school and they would prepare for the Ivy League, which was a really big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's probably still pretty uh, still like that in a lot of ways, or if you want to get your undergrad at one of these Ivy Leagues, it's it's best if you come from one of these really snooty <laughs> kind of schools. Right. Um, so this is the, the Welton was not a real school, um, but it was based on one. Um, actually the person who wrote the screenwriter um, who wrote this for this, the silver screen was basing mm-hmm. it on his own life. As yeah. Tom Truman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yep. Yeah, uh, this uh, it starts very somber. You know, I, I they're passing around this candle. It used to be the candle of Jesus, right at at Easter or at midnight mass. Uh, but yeah. now it's the candle of knowledge, and they're passing that around, and the kids are um, passing passing it to each other, and they acknowledge this new English teacher whose name is John Keating, played by the late great Robin Williams, and mm-hmm. um, a bunch of kids are kind of indoctrinated. They have to learn what the four pillars are of the school and the parents are all there. And it's, it really sets the stage for, you know, this kind of tightly knit group of friends um, Mm -hmm. who are entering uh, their final year, I think in this prep school. Yeah, that's right. So these are like the elite of the elite kids. These parents are spending a a tremendous amount of money to, you know, get their sons there so they can go on to be titans of industry, so to speak. And, you know, they're there, they're saying goodbye to their parents. And we're kind of getting like the introduction on this little uh, crew of kids that we're going to be hanging out with uh, in the film. So we're seeing uh, Ethan Hawke's character. His name is Todd, um, and he's settling into his dorm room uh, with his roommate, Neil 
who is played by uh, Robert Sean Leonard. Um, and then a bunch of their other friends kind of come in and, you know, kind of, you know, get a little introduction, a quick hit on these uh, kids that are going to be kind of weaving this tale at our year here at school. Yeah. Yeah. We learn Neil's dad is uh, real hard on Neil. Apparently, you know, most of the kids here are from well-to-do families. Todd's brother um, was the valedictorian a couple of years before. So, you know, he is transferred from another school and there's all eyes on him to do really well. But Neil's father did not, does not, um, he's not very rich. And so he is just really hard on him. And he tells Neil, you know, you're doing too many extracurricular activities. Uh, you're going to have to quit the newspaper. And it's right in front of all his friends. And you mm-hmm. see that there's a, he, there's a bunch of tension between Neil and his father. His father clearly has a very uh, set out plan in place for his son's life. His son is going to go to medical school and be a doctor. And that is pretty much the end of that. And you can see that Neil's friends uh, first kind of tease him about it, right? They're saying, Hey, why don't you tell your old man off? And what is he going to do really? And, and he mm-hmm. basically says, you know, Hey, we're all in this together. You guys are no different. You don't want to be a banker or a lawyer and you're still doing the same thing and you, mm-hmm. your parents get on you. So let's just forget about it. Right. But you can see that Neil is already being kind of tormented in the fact that he's not doing what he wants to do with his life at all. And he's not even asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really sad. Cause he tells his dad, he's like, why do I, do I have to quit the paper? I'm still getting straight A's, right? Like it's not affecting his schoolwork, but his dad is, you know, uh, hell bent on getting him into medical school and making sure he doesn't waste any of his time and uh, does his best. And it sets up kind of this uh, tension that's going to play through with his father throughout the film. And I, I guess that the the reason that, you know, he's so concerned about his son's extracurricular activities is because these classes seem intense. So they're going to be going through there and they're in science class. The guy, the guy's like, uh, do the 20 questions at the end of like the first chapter tonight for homework. And then they go to Latin and they're just, you know, reciting like the whole like alphabet, like over and over again, they go to trigonometry class. They have like some crazy like tech test and books and all these things they're carrying around like a stack of books like 10 feet tall and then they get to English class right yeah this is definitely the opposite of what uh we were talking about in high school for better off dead last week right where um they were all just super joyful at the idea of trigonometry yeah that is not the case here it looks uh like we're descending into some sort of preparatory school hell um to be Mm -hmm. honest um yeah and then they go they go in and they're waiting for mr keating to join the class and you can see that um mr keating's kind of looking behind um his office doors uh for everybody to sit down and then it's a great scene because he comes in and he immediately walks past all the students and goes out into the hallway and is like, hey guys, come on, bring your books with you. And so they um, they go out into the hallway, and it's 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 a great scene because of course it's Robin Williams, and um, he's showing them the, the in this hallway. There's a bunch of pictures of mm-hmm. you know old classmates, right? Yeah, Where it's like the trophy a, case, yeah. Right, and he says, you know, you can address me as Mr. Keating or Oh Captain, my Captain, <laughs> right? Um, Uh, already getting in the poetry in. And uh, he says, you know, all these kids, all these people that you're looking at, they're all dead. And so you don't have a lot of time. So Mm -hmm. you need to seize the day, right? Carpe diem. And uh, it really uh, is a great introduction um, 
I don't know if you ever had, you know, that experience with an amazing English teacher, Mr. Murphy, mm-hmm. if you're listening, you were amazing. Um, but I, I definitely felt like that when, um, uh, again, you know, it was, it, it's great when you have this connective moment with a teacher, um, around something like, uh, English and the English language. And so it was very, very cool. Um, because you really start to buckle into your seats around what, what this teacher is going to do for these kids. Yeah. And after class, like you'll see the, uh, the group of these kids kind of walking through, they don't really know quite what to make of him. Right. They just spent all day in class, uh, learning, you know, from, you know, 10,000 textbooks. And then he just, you know, leads them out into the hallway and tells them, you know, you're, uh, not long in this world. So, you know, seize the day carpe diem, which is really kind of the theme of the film, right. Is trying to teach these kids how to, you know, live the life that they, uh, want to live. And, yeah, so we kind of just go through through the school year with these kids. So we're going to see Todd. He's kind of studying alone. Um, and then one of the friends, uh, Knox, uh, he's going to go out to dinner with an alumnus family. Um, and when he's there, he's going to uh, meet uh, what he calls the most beautiful girl I've ever met. That's right. He immediately falls in love with a girl named Chris. Um, it's like love at first sight. But unfortunately, Chris is basically engaged to uh, Chet, who's the son of the family that he was supposed to go to dinner and have dinner with. So he's in a bit of a pickle there, um, but he he uses this English class to really help him uh, find the words to write poetry about the, the love that he feels for this girl. Um, and it's really sweet because it's pretty innocent. Um, he's just so, and he's, uh, Knox is played um, beautifully. He's so um, innocent and kind of beguiling because he's kind of a, you know, he's a, he's a boy. (laughs) So he's Mm -hmm. got these smirky kind of, you know, sarcastic wit around all of his friends, but he just comes unglued when he sees her. It's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he can't quite uh, contain himself, which is something that's going to uh, come back to uh, haunt him a bit later, but it kind of goes back and forth between, um, kind of having these, you know, class scenes with Mr. Keating and kind of the boys, you know, doing doing their own thing, uh, you know, kind of thing. So after we get, you know, kind of, you know, everyone studying, you know, Knox going out to dinner, uh, we're back in class and we're going to get kind of the next lesson from Mr. Keating. Uh, they're reading it, reading from their uh, textbook there. He asked uh, one of the students to read the introductory and he kind of writes it up on the on the uh, chalkboard and you'll see all the kids, you know, just like writing down, like making the scale with the ruler, like perfectly. And then he tells them to just rip the whole chapter out of the book because it's nonsense. Um, and he says, yeah. we don't re- read and write poetry because it's cute. We, we read and write it because it makes us feel something or something along those lines. Right. Yeah. So, so if you weren't convinced that Mr. Keating was a little unconventional from his first lesson, uh, ripping up the book is probably not something that goes on at this uh, fine school that we're in. No. No, and it's it's pretty interesting actually because he's he's in the midst of telling them to go ahead and rip. I want to hear ripping. I want to hear ripping. And the Latin teacher comes in because he thinks that they're destroying school property, and so he's like, "What's going on?" And um, you know, Mr. Keating kind of pops out of the back with a waste paper basket. And he says, "Oh, I didn't know you were here." And he says, "Oh, yeah, I am." And so later they have uh, at lunch these two professors kind of have this talk back and forth where the Latin teacher is. Um, very jaded 
And he's like, you know, we, we don't want these kids to be free thinkers, really. Like they're mm-hmm. too young. They're, they're impressionable young men. They can't possibly think for themselves. And of course, Mr. Keating is like, yeah, that's a bunch of baloney. Like, I mean, he's respectful, but he's, he's like, yeah. no, I, I'd much rather have them think, think on their own and uh, than not. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah, and I think the headmaster, I think uh, later in the film, even says as much, right? He says something along the lines of, you know, we're not here to teach them how to think. We're here to get them to Ivy League and then they can deal with whatever they want after that. Right, right. Um, yeah, not on your life. Do I want a 17-year-old telling me what he, what they think of the world? Um, I think is what he says. So they uh, they go back to class. Um, you know, they they... they they find in the old library that Mr. Keating, actually, there was a rumor going around that he actually was a student uh, at Welton uh, years mm-hmm. and years ago. So they go find him. And, you know, it's just like today where it's like most popular class clown. And then under Mr. Keating's picture, it said, you know, dead poet society. And of course that sounds really strange and kind of scary. And so the boys are immediately kind of enchanted by that. And they said, what's that? And so they find out um, that it's, it was this kind of secret society that uh, John Keating had put together and, and had run back in his heyday, right? Um, there was this book that he had, it was five centuries of verse and in it are John Keating's notes around you know, how to hold the meetings and you mm-hmm. know, what, to say, what to say. And basically, um, it's a secret society and that, you know, they're not supposed to leave school grounds and they go ahead and leave school grounds and they find mm-hmm. this cave and they, they take a flashlight and then they bring snacks. But really at the end of the day, it's like a poetry club, right? Like it, they, they, mm-hmm. they read poems and they write poems and they talk about poems and, um, and all of them participate except for Todd. Todd really is very scared um, to speak aloud. He does not want to read in front of people he it looks like he has some sort of phobia around it and so um mm-hmm. all the friends are are like that's fine just come anyway and so they start to put uh they, they have their first meeting in this super creepy tree grove cave thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah. it it's actually it's it's pretty neat just the way it looks because they're up in like this new england and fall time they're going out with their with their flashlights or torches as it were and going through this through this tree grove it's all misty and stuff but yeah they get into this cave and yeah they're just telling uh some scary stories they're reading poems from this from this book it's just it's just an opportunity for the kids to kind of get out of the school and uh be themselves and goof around because every time they're in the school, anytime they make any noise at all, they get shush, uh, you know, right. They're there to learn trigonometry. They're not there to read poems or scary stories or have fun of any sort, really. So, uh, yeah, so they're, they're there. They've founded the new order of the dead poet society, um, which is, which is good for them. Uh, I think Mr. Keating probably uh, is encouraging the sort of behavior and we get back to class. He's teaching them a lesson about Shakespeare. Shakespeare's boring, but not if your teacher is Robin Williams, because he can do it in all of the voices. But the important bit about this lesson is he stands up on his desk kind of at the end. And he's like, you know, you're all, you're all sitting there. We always just sit there at our desks. But if you, you know, stand up on your desk or if you stand up or you change your perspective, then the world looks completely different. Um, so he has all the kids kind of come up and, you know, come off, you know, come up and stand on his desk to see what the classroom looks like from up there. And he finally gives them an assignment and it's to, they're going to have to write a poem and they're going to 
recite it to the class. And he says to uh, Todd, to Ethan Hawke's character, he says, and I know that this assignment scares the hell out of you, Todd. Yep. Yep. But he doesn't let him get out of it. Right. He's like, nope, you're still, you're still going to do it, but you got to feel that fear and do it anyway, which, um, which actually really resonated with me growing up. So um, around this time, Neil has decided, you know, for, for whatever reason, he wants to be an actor. He, he really loves the idea this, this poetry has just lit, lit up a passion in him. And he um, has found out that there is a play uh, going on and it's Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. which is an amazing Shakespeare comedy. If you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. You can see tons of movies of it, um, uh, but it's it's fantastic. Anyway, so he really wants to go and try out, but he knows, and Todd is his roommate, and Todd's trying to talk him out of it and say, well, you know, your dad will never let you do that. He won't even let you, you know, he wouldn't let you be in uh, the annual anymore so he's never going to let you do the play and he's like no 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 i'm, I'm gonna figure it out i'm gonna forge my dad's name on my permission slip i'm, I, I'm gonna do it i carpe diem man carpe diem mm-hmm. and um in the meantime Knox, uh which is played by joshua charles so beautifully i just love this character he is so uh just smitten with chris he decides um to try and woo her right um even though she's totally engaged she's total not nice guy this total jerk um but she he goes uh and he he goes to this school pep rally so he can see her and Mm -hmm. you know and he's writing poetry about her and it's not great poetry yet but he's gosh darn it he's just great i love him Yeah, it's a it's a really cool scene. He's just kind of riding his bike through campus and he goes down this like huge hill and there's like, I don't know, like 10 million geese on the hill and just kind of rides through them and they all just yeah. fly away. But and he rides his bike over to like where this pep rallies go and so we can, you know, get a glimpse of Chris. But yeah, of course, she's there with with Chet. So uh, his hopes dashed there. It, so but what are we going to do? We got to got to keep going through the school year. So we get our next little uh, teaching thing. They're at, like out on the uh on the soccer pitch, uh, getting ready. They're uh, reading a line of poetry and then kicking a soccer ball, right? I guess it's supposed to jazz you up to read some read some poems. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Keating, he puts on like a record. It's playing like this really loud uh, classical music and all this stuff's going on. Uh, it looked pretty fun. It looked more fun than, you know, my English classes were for sure getting to play some soccer in there. But yeah, everyone's having a good time and more good news, good news, bad news. Uh, I guess it depends on who you ask, but Neil gets the part in Midsummer Night's Dream, the lead part, in fact. He sure does. He gets to play Puck, which is a really awesome thing. Um, no, I don't know anybody who like just walks in and gets to take the lead of Midsummer Night's Dream because it's 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 an amazing play. But um, that's awesome that he does. And so he's super excited and he is practicing and he's doing really well in school and he's just over the moon and all his friends are really happy for him. Um, but they're also kind of scared for him because they know that eventually um, the shoe is going to fall and mm-hmm. it's 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 not going to be good when his father finds out. Um, so the next assignment is, of course, you know, following up with Mr. Keating's assignment saying you have to read a poem in class. So, you know, Knox kind of reads his little poem to Chris about how her hair, her, she has stars in her eyes and she's just beautiful and it's really cute. But um, one of my favorite scenes is uh, around this time when 
uh, Mr. Keating uh, makes Todd stand up and he is terrified. He truly is terrified. And he says, mm-hmm. I didn't write a poem. I'm not doing it. And so uh, something that could never be done today, Mr. Keating's actually like grabs him by the arm, covers his face and says, you know, think of, think of somebody that's scary. Or he points to a picture and says, what do you, what do you think about this person? And he makes him kind of um, elaborate and close it, close his eyes and elaborate on what he sees and what he thinks is scary. And it, it turns into this amazing poem about fear. And mm-hmm. uh, he just kind of riffs it. And Todd is amazed at himself. The entire class is amazed um, that he's done it. And Mr. Keating is blown away as well. It's just a great scene. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it's know, really cool. He, he like, uh, pulls him up out of his seat he's like i know the anticipation is killing you so let's go ahead and put you out of your your misery and you know that's when he says that he he hadn't done the assignment he didn't write a poem um you know he was he was just too nervous i guess to get up there and and read it to everyone or read it in front of everyone um so he he basically gets up there and he he uh, mr keating writes this line of prose on the chalkboard and it has this word yop y-a-w-p um which apparently i don't know what this means but it apparently means that you are like uh yelling excitedly or something like that so he basically just makes him you know get up there and start shouting and then yeah he like he grabs him by like the arm and uh, has his hand over his eyes and makes him uh, go through and kind of make this impromptu kind of poem on the spot. But yeah, it's a, a really neat uh, teaching scene for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And um, Ethan Hawke, who is playing Todd, um, he actually credits this moment with him really falling in love with the idea of being an actor for the rest of his life. Um, he said, hmm. because he had to quit he had to let go of his ego completely and really just kind of fall into the hands of uh, another person, right? Which was John Keating. Um, and he said that that, that, that is something he's always stro- stro- striven, stri- strived, strived for. Um, strove, for the- stroven, no. <laughs> stroven. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Murphy, I'm sorry, I failed your English class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it is something that Ethan Hawke credits with uh, changing his life as an actor. And so it's a really great scene. Um, of course, after that, the dead poets are meeting on a regular basis. Um, they're in this really spooky cave, which doesn't really exist. That cave was actually created by latex and and some uh, some really great art direction. Uh, oh. So you can't go and find the the Dead Poet Society cave, unfortunately. But they're uh, they're having a good old time. They're smoking pipes. They're playing their saxophones. Knox is gonna go call Chris because he just can't take it. He's really getting this gumption and confidence of carpe diem right Mm -hmm. and uh and he does he calls her and she immediately invites him to this party and it's kind of weird because he's she's obviously going with her chet chet Mm -hmm. her 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 jerk boyfriend um yeah but he he invites him which i think is kind of odd um so but he's so excited he doesn't care he's like i'm just gonna get to see her um and so the the next lesson that they have in the courtyard is really interesting where they're all kind of walking around and uh it's you know he mr keating is trying to show them that they don't need to walk a normal way right their path is there Mm -hmm. so some of them end up like walking like ducks or dancing or jumping up and down and um and of course the headmaster sees this because it's in the courtyard and he thinks it's real weird and so you know there's some pressure put on um on mr keating 
to, you know, be, be sure, you know, that you stick to the curriculum. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't need any free thinkers here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't, yeah. We don't need any free thinkers here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's actually, it's a really neat lesson, right? So they're kind of standing there and he has three of them walking around and he's telling them, you know, to kind of walk and eventually they all kind of fall in line or, you know, walking the same steps. And he's like, that's, you know, that's, conformity that's what happens right it doesn't take you very long for all three of you to start walking the same so it's a it's a pretty cool lesson but yeah the uh the headmaster is there up in his office you know kind of looking down on it very ominously you know so you know that nothing good is probably going to come of this uh you know sort of different uh teaching method than the school is used to for sure exercise and free thinking is a bad thing for educators by golly that's right um yeah so and then poor todd he has a birthday um, and we get to see a little bit more about Todd's life. So if you'll remember, Todd's older brother was a the valedictorian, the valedictorian. yeah. And everybody thinks Todd's like going to be this next golden child. And his parents don't seem to know him or care to know him very much. They send him the exact same birthday present as they did the year before, which was a um, a desk set. Uh, apparently, that was mm-hmm. a really big deal in the fifties. Um, so it you know it has like a pen and a, a bunch of papers and kind of a stationary kit but it's a nice one and he's mm-hmm. like i don't know why i have this so of course his you know his best friend now uh neil, yeah, neil. is like just throw it away man just you know it doesn't matter you'll get the same thing next year it's fine and so they yeah, do they kind of throw it they chuck it off of the um, yeah they throw it off of this bridge he's like he's like oh this <laughs> uh it's it's really a pretty great scene because it's just the two of them right because you don't really get too much time with just the two of them because it's almost always the whole group so it's just kind of these two friends and going over it and he's like oh you know this desk set is great he's like if i was going to get a desk set i would want one exactly like this and you got two of them that's even better he's like and there's something really special about this one this one flies you just got to throw it off of here and they (laughs) yeah they throw they throw it off of the bridge and you just see it like all the all the stationary and stuff coming out of it it uh looks really really cool so yeah they're kind of you know bonding a little bit over you know kind of their home life their family life kind of the pressure that they're they're both under the way that they feel that they're you know being viewed and loved by their parents so yeah it's just a, a pretty neat scene for the two of them there yeah yeah and it's interesting because the other, the other group, right. Is, um, they're close knit, but you find the, this chemistry really between Neil and Todd, that is very different than you see in the others, right. They're very happy go lucky. Um, Mm -hmm. they're a close knit group. Um, but it's very, it's, it's, it's palpably different between these two, right. Where they, they are really good friends and they both feel very, um, trapped in a way in, in, in where they are. Right. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, Neil is asked by Todd at one point, he's like, why do you care so much about what's going on with me? And Neil's like, I'm, I'm I just do. That's just the way, I don't know. I just do. And it's, yeah. it's really kind of neat because, you know, again, these are impressionable men growing, growing men that are not supposed to challenge the status quo at all. And Mm -hmm. even with each other, they're doing that in a very, um, very interesting way. I just, I just really like that. So yeah, um, Yeah, you're not, you're not really there to make friends. You're, you're literally, you're only there to do one thing and that's to graduate (laughs) and go to, go to Princeton or Harvard or, you know, whatever. So, um, 
So, but they are making friends. They uh, they have another meeting. Uh, and this time somebody, you know, Charles brings a girl or two uh, to the uh, Dead Poet Society meeting. And so they're reading poetry at them and they're trying to, you know, woo these chicks because even if they don't like them, they're girls. So they got to, you know, they got to try, I guess. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> no, no girl, no girls allowed. So we got, <laughs> yeah. we got girls, girls here now. So yeah, it's very 1959. In the meantime, Knox, you know, he ends up going to that party. Um, he, you know, some, somebody mistakes him for somebody else. And so he drinks like, I don't know, half, half a can of moonshine, um, or half, half a jar of moonshine. It's real bad. Um, it was not the poet's dream that we had earlier. Nope. Uh, and so he is completely wasted and he's in this living room where a bunch of other people are wasted and heavy petting and lots of kissing going on. And mm-hmm. he sees, uh, Chris kind of laying there and she's fallen asleep on the couch and, um, you know, he kind of sits next to her and then he, I think he, he kisses her on the forehead. I think he's, is what he yeah, does. he, he kind of like, yeah. So she's asleep he's on like the couch. staring he, at he's, her in a longing a, way. Which... He sits down and realizes that she's kind of there, like also like asleep on this couch right next to him. And he kind of, he like runs his fingers through her hair and then he like, uh, bends down to try to kiss her. And then, you know, one of Chet's friends sees him and you know, calls him out and Chet beats him up. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're drunk or not, you know, uh, what, uh, what Knox was doing, not appropriate. Don't do that. You don't do that. You should probably get beat up, um, is, is what should probably happen. Uh, but I don't think he was being malicious, but yeah, don't, don't do that. Bad idea. Don't, don't do that. We do not condone that uh, behavior at all. Um, but she, uh, he, he is, it, it is tough because in a way to watch, it's just a tough scene because you know, like he's looking at her and you're like, don't do it, dude, don't do it. But you know, he's gonna, because then, you know, there's no plot twist to the film. So of course he gets like <laughs> sure. totally beat up. And, and then of course the, the girl is yelling at Chet and Chet's like, he's absolutely like going berserko mode on this guy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just a really bad situation. So no matter if you're at a party and you see a, a real pretty girl, whether she's sleeping, leave her alone. Don't, don't touch her. Yeah. Leave her alone. Um, so leave in assembly alone. the next day, you know, he's got this bloody nose <laughs> and he's got a black eye and um, uh, one of his friends, Charlie, um, while they're at the Dead Poet Society meeting that's supposed to be that night with the other two girls that have just kind of shown up um, and they're they're crying, trying to woo them. Charlie lets everyone know that he uh, he has slipped a article into the newspaper about how mm-hmm. they need to let girls into Welton because this is an all-boys school and it's not fair that women can't go. And of course, that does not go over well because that thought has probably <laughs> entered the minds of plenty of boy in yeah. um in the history of Welton and they do not want any sort of fraternization or any free thinking in that way, shape or form. I mean, my gosh, if we let the girls go to school, they'll want to vote. Uh, if we let them vote, they're going to want to like join the Supreme Court. Oh my gosh, if they do that, they could be president. We can't have any of that. So so they yeah. they, they freak out. The, um, the board of directors of the school just completely freaks out. The headmaster is uh, takes everybody into the into that big church room <laughs> yeah yeah they have like a like a student assembly yeah and like the like like the yeah the the church room that kind of there and he's like he's like 
there's a terrible article in the newspaper, which I'm not even going to read because it's too terrible to even read. And then, yeah, so uh, Charles, Charlie, he has like he has like this phone in his hand and it just it makes this ringing noise. And he he just stands up and he answers it and he says, oh, it's for you. It's God. He said we should let girls into the school. Uh, so that doesn't sit well with uh, Mr. Headmaster. So uh, he's going to take Charlie up to the office and Charlie's going to get paddled, uh, which is not something uh, that would still happen. Um, and he's told basically that he's going to name names about this uh, little uh, society that he's running around round with and uh you know try to uh nip this in the bud i guess as it were right and it's an amazing scene because neil um and all his friends kind of wait for charles to come back and charles can barely walk um because he gets paddled pretty hard this is back in the day when you could beat your students um again don't do that not a good idea (laughs) don't do Uh, that yeah don't do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, apparently you could get whipped uh, <laughs> with a giant paddle with holes in it. It looked really painful and awful. Um, but Charles comes in and uh, he refuses to rat on his friends. He, he says, you know, I'm not I'm not doing that. And so, uh, you know, yeah, Neil's- he has a- yeah, he has a it's it's really cool. So Charles gets back into the room with the rest of the uh, the boys there from the Deb Poet Society group. And, you know, then Mr. Keating comes in and he's like he's like he's like listen that that's not cool and charles is like well i thought you wanted us to be you know free thinkers he's like he's like well you know there's a difference between being a free thinker and just being obnoxious so so you know don't do that you have to pick and choose kind of the the moments right you can't just you know you can you can live the life you want to live but you can't just act the way you want to act all the time right there's a there's a fine line and uh, that's a really good lesson i think for for the boys that I, I just think that that uh, little meeting there is pretty cool in terms of the, uh, the character growth, I guess, for, for these kids. Yeah. I mean, he reasons with them, right? He's like, look, you, you want to be able to go to school after this. And if you get kicked out of this school, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do later. So, you know, toe the line. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it doesn't change the way that you think. Maybe you just don't need to act on every thought that you have, which, which was cool good advice it's good advice for everybody um it was really good advice for neil who has been deceiving his father he uh, comes home from the play rehearsal it's uh it's it was the um dry run it was the 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 final rehearsal before the play opens Mm -hmm. Um, it was the final dress and he walks into his uh dorm room and his father is there and his father knows um that uh his son is now in some school play or some play and he is livid and they get into a big argument and he says you have to quit the play and the play like opens tomorrow uh so neil at Mm -hmm. first is like absolutely not i can't do that and he says no no you will you absolutely are going to do that and um so neil uh freaks out a little bit and of course his father you know he doesn't play fair he just says awful things and then he turns around and says things like you know i worked so hard for you to get to get to this school and your mom, you know, she's sacrificed. And you can tell when he says, um, he, when he mentions his mom, you know, uh, Neil uh, is played so be- beautifully by Sean Patrick Leonard in this scene because his face just kind of contorts because he he obviously really cares about his mom and doesn't want to let his mom down. And mm-hmm. it's just a really, this the father is just, he's really well played um, because you don't like him <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. 
Neil goes to Mr. Keating to try and get some advice. And Mr. Keating is, is it's tough because he says, you have to tell your father the truth. You have to stand up to him and tell him that you're not going to quit the play and that you are going to go and, you know, invite him to watch you and tell him that, you know, this passion that you have for the theater is not going to go away. It's who you are. And um, that it's, a, you know, you've got to stand up to him. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a, you know, and in a little while, um, things are going to get better all you, you know, as soon as you graduate, you can do whatever you want. You don't need him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's very tough. It's very tough. Cause of course, Neil's like, isn't there just another way? And unfortunately there's, there's just not. And he has to tell his father the truth. There's not. Yeah. And, um, and unfortunately Neil doesn't, you know, uh, take that lesson and go with it. it which we're going to see kind of here in the next next scene. So to kind of set it up, so we have Knox, he's going into uh, Chris's school, into like the public high school. He just, you know, walks in and goes to her class and reads her a poem. He's going to apologize to her, you know, for what he did at the party, uh, which is good. You should do that. Um, and But, you know, she's, she's not receptive to it, right? That's probably insanely embarrassing to her, for sure, to just have him show up and, you know, take her flowers and start reading this poem. Uh, meanwhile, your boyfriend close to being fiance is there ready to kill this guy. But, uh, you know, she kind of reciprocates it a little bit. So when he gets back to school, she turns up then to, uh, you know, to uh, basically confront him, I guess, about, you know, turning up at her school and embarrassing her. Uh, so it's kind of a tit for tat sort of thing there. Yeah, she's just very concerned for him because um, Chet found out that he went to the school um, and that he like read her a love poem. And it's a much better love poem than the first one he wrote. Um, I think that that's that's worth the Mr. Keating, I think, would be proud of the poetry, at least. And, um, you know, she's very she's like, you can't do this anymore. You cannot see me like that. And he's just he just is adamant that he's in love with her and he does not know her, but he understands his feeling and you know, they, he should just give him a chance and they should go to this play tonight because his friend is going to be in this play and all the boys are going and we, they should, and they should just go together. And if he, she really doesn't feel anything, he will leave her alone for the rest of his, her life. Mm-hmm. And she takes him up on it, which I think is, 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 says it pretty much right there, right? That there's something about him that she's not quite disliking completely. Right. Um, even yeah, though she's, he's, yeah, she says that she's going to this play, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, "Are you? You're going with Chet?" And she's like, "Yeah, taking Chet to a play." Yeah, no, I don't think so. So, uh, right. she does give him the opportunity to, uh, you know, to win her favor, I guess. So, uh, so the two of them are going to go to the play, and everyone else, you know, Mr. Keating has his car loaded up with the rest of the, uh, the boys there from class to go to see Neil's play. And they get there, they take their seats. Neil's there uh, in costume, Midsummer Night's Dreams going on. Uh, Neil seems to be really good. I think this was like the community theater kind of thing, I think is what what they'd said. But yeah, yeah uh, pretty good performance for Neil. Everyone, uh, all of his classmates and uh, his teachers seem to be uh, pretty impressed with uh, what he's done. But uh, someone in the audience, late arrival, not quite as impressed. No, um. You know, it's really tough because Neil does go back and tell Mr. Keating that he's told his father that he's going to do the play. Um, you don't know if that's really true or not, um, but his father shows up in the back, very back of the play, doesn't sit, uh, stands, doesn't even take off his hat, just watches. Um, and if you've not seen Midsummer Night's Dream, the, the lead character is Puck, and he's a 
kind of a fairy uh, elf thing. Um, and he, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so he's got this crown. Um, he's got these, these, you know, he has to, he has to look um, like he blends in with the trees and he does a really good job. There's a lot of monologues. Um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a really, it's a really beautifully rich, uh, play, right. Where there's a lot of fantasy. And so I, I'm sure that his father was not, was not impressed by the subject matter. Um, because, you know, Neil is supposed to go be a doctor. He's that, that, that was the goal. And so mm-hmm. he doesn't react badly at the, at the time, you know, his father, uh, you know, Neil's finishes the play. He gets a standing ovation. Of course, the boys um, are just blown away by his acting ability. Everybody thinks he's done really well. He um, He's in the back in the green room getting his clothes off and taking his makeup off. And someone says, hey, your dad's here. And he knows that this is not a good thing. Uh, yeah. So he goes out and his father says, you know, let's just, let's go home. And um, yeah, his dad has kind of that vibe of a really strict father where he's just been completely uh, humiliated by his son. So it's like, get in the car. We're going home. We'll deal with this there where I'm not going to talk to you until, until we're at home, you know, yeah. and, and that's it. And, you know, Mr. Keating, you know, stops, you know, stops Neil and congratulates him on doing a good job and his, you know, his father, you know, tells Mr. Keating to uh, take a hike and to mind his own business um, and, you know, takes him home and, uh, it's, you know, you, you know, that it's not going to be good for Neil when he gets there. And, uh, ultimately it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, um, you know, not getting what you need from, from your parent from your family, from your loved ones for Neil. And yeah, it's, it's not good. It's real tough. His mom's there and she's very silent um, throughout most of the conversations. And it, it makes you wonder, it's really well acted. It makes you wonder um, what his relationship was with his mom. His mom seemed to definitely not want to make any waves um, or stand mm-hmm. up for her son at all. And so there's a little bit of arguing because the father lets him know that you know, you're not going back to Welton. I'm pulling you out of Welton. If you are going to defy me, uh, and just do this acting thing. Um, I'm going to take you to military school and you're going to do that. And then you're going to go to school. You're going to go to college. Then you're going to go to university or, or then you're going to go to med school. And, you know, Neil says, that's like 10 years of my life. You can't take that away from me. That's, that's a lifetime. And he, they just, they argue a little bit. And then Neil finally stands up for him and says, I want to tell you how I feel. I, I, I want to talk to you about this. And then his father kind of taunts him and he's like, what do you got to say? Then Neil just doesn't, uh, he's not able to really say anything because he feels so hopeless Mm -hmm. and that it does not matter. His father will never hear him, really hear him or see him the way that he wants to be seen. And um, so his father just kind of dismisses the whole conversation and says, well, then we're going to bed and we will, we'll take you to where, you know, this med, military school in the morning um Mm -hmm. and the mom you know tries to give her son a hug and says you know it's gonna be fine and you know um and neil just kind of looks off into the distance he says i was i was really good at that play i was really good and it's super heartbreaking um to watch especially as a parent it was really difficult um yeah and uh you know unfortunately for 
Neil's father, right? He's going to have to uh, be left with that. That's the last uh, time they're ever going to speak because you'll see Neil up in his bedroom. He still has the crown uh, kind of thing that he's had worn in the Midsummer Night's Dream performance. And he kind of opens up his windows. You're right. It's it's snowy there in New England. He kind of sets the crown uh, down on this uh, windowsill. And then you'll see him in his father's study or office or or whatever. And he's uh, pulling uh, a little swaddled uh, gun out of this uh, locked drawer and uh, pulls it out. And you know exactly uh, where this is going. And then it kind of cuts to his dad just you know, setting, you know, bolt upright from bed. You don't actually hear it, but uh, you know that that's what has, you know, caused him to wake up and then kind of run through the house until he finally gets down to the, uh, to the office and finds his son there. Yeah. And it's, it's not gruesome at all. Um, it was so it's beautifully shot um, because it's haunting. Um, you know, there's this moment where he sees the smoke, um, he doesn't see his son, but he sees the smoke rising in the mm-hmm. room and he, um, you know, everything happens in slow motion. And so he's running a, and it looks like he's having to cross an ocean of space, right. To, in order to get to behind the desk where his son is laying. Um, and you don't, you don't see his son at all. You, I mean, mm-hmm. you see his hand and that's about it. So it's not that it's super gruesome, but the mom is not making any sense. She keeps saying he's okay. And he's definitely not okay. And it's just, really heartbreaking um but it's 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 a beautiful shot of something so tragic um and and i think that's one of this shot to me is one of the way one of the reasons why it was up for best director um Mm -hmm. because i'd never seen anything so poignantly done um showing something that's just as heartbreaking as it is right um yeah, it's it, what you don't see, right? It's it's mm-hmm. they, we do that a lot in horror movies. It's just very different when it's something that is dramatic. In this yeah, way. it it tells the whole story without uh, really showing it, and uh, yeah, it's just it's really well done. But yeah, it's uh, you know obviously it's uh, very sad, uh, you know, a thing to have happened, and you know it's going to be you know pretty devastating for you know his his friend group, especially. Um, especially Todd, um, you'll see the boys kind of walk in, you know, through the, through the snow, like out away from, from the school. And Todd just kind of, you know, he kind of takes the lead of the group a little bit and kind of breaks down. He's like thrown up and then he just runs off into the distance. And then it is going to go back to seeing Mr. Keating, um, you know, kind of just standing there in the empty classroom, right? They've, they've canceled classes. So he's just kind of walking around and he goes over and he opens Neil's desk and he finds the, the Dead Poet Society uh, book, which was called uh, Five Centuries of Verse. Um, he sees it and he kind of opens it up and he sees, you know, his, his name uh, in there. And then he just kind of sits at Neil's desk and uh, starts crying, uh, which is uh, also really tough, um, you know, really, uh, really powerful stuff from uh, Robin Williams there uh, for that scene. But yeah, you can see, you know, just, just like in real life, you know, all these things have, you know, repercussions for everyone around you, even if you don't, even if you can't see that at the, at the time, but yeah, right. it, it, they play it out uh, really beautifully here in this one for sure. They do. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, it's really tough. The boys end up meeting um, up to, kind of console each other and uh one of the boys um 
you know, is, is concerned because it, you know, of course the parents want a full investigation as to why their son could possibly make that choice. They can't look at themselves at all. That would be um, mm-hmm. too hard probably for them to do in all honesty. Um, and so they want to pin this on somebody so that somebody's responsible for their, their son's uh, completed suicide. So um they uh, intend to pin this on Mr. Keating for his, you know, very unorthodox classroom uh, antics, right? And um, so one of the boys ends up telling uh, the headmaster everything about the secret society of the Dead Poet Society, about the poetry and about um, the book and um, all of these secrets that everybody had kind of kept uh, from you know, any of the faculty um, and probably even Mr. Keating. I don't think Mr. Keating knew what was going on, but I don't think he um, knew where they were, you know, meeting. I don't think he, you know, he certainly wasn't invited. We don't see him kind of Mm -hmm. leading those meetings or anything like that. And so it's really tough because the boys feel very betrayed by this one particular member. And, um, but it, you know the damage has been done. Um, so all of these these boys, especially the most popular four, the tighter four, you know, the tight knit foursome, mm-hmm. get um, told to sign their names to a statement that basically places all the blame of this person's this poor kid's death on Mr. Keating uh, and gets him fired from the school. And it's it's really hard for Todd. No, nobody is taking this well, but Todd is just beside himself with grief. Um, you know, he he is trying to explain to his father that it wasn't Mr. Keating's fault, and Mr. Keating cared about them, and um, and it's it's not good. So, mm-hmm. um, but the decision's been made. I mean, they're not going to listen to any sort of logic around this at all. They're just going to pin this on Mr. Keating, because again, we don't need free thinkers. Um, they're not really permitted to think freely as adults, even they just want to be able to continue the legacy of the school, which is all about tradition. Right. Um, yeah. And kind of interwoven with, you know, Neil there with his parents, you know, you know, being, you know, coerced into signing this document more or less. Um, it, it'll, cut over to, uh, you know, Mr. Keating, like in his office and he's already got his stuff boxed up, you know, so, so Mr. Keating already knows, you know, what's, what's the writings on the wall here for, for him for sure. But yeah, ultimately, uh, he is the scapegoat for, you know, Neil's death and, uh, you know, letting, leading these boys astray into the dangerous territory of, you know, letting them (laughs) learn and be free thinkers. And, that kind of sets up here for the uh, the end of the film, right? So we're back into English class. Uh, Mr. Keating has uh, been let go at this point. So you have the headmaster and he's going to be, you know, teaching the class out for the rest of the semester. Um, he tells them to open their books and to, you know, what, you know, what part of the book were you on? Well, you know, we've been bouncing around a little bit, you know, have you studied this? Well, we didn't really study that too much. And he tells them to, you know, we'll just start at the introduction. We'll read that. And, you know, he's like, well, we, you know, we ripped out the introduction. So he goes over and slams his, you know, copy <laughs> down on the desk and, and has them start reading. And about then Mr. Keating kind of you know, comes into the, to the room, you know, sorry to interrupt, but I had a few things in here. Should I 
come back and you know the headmaster tells him to you know just get him and go so he kind of he walks sort of meekly through this uh classroom you know everyone's kind of stopping and looking at him you know in his direction um as we get to see you know kind of this group of people together one last time yeah 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 it's uh it's very tough because you know they're they've started right back where they well, they finish right back where they started, right? Where they're like trying to graph, literally trying to graph the great, the greatness of a poem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, using an X and Y axis. It's absolute lunacy. And I have, I love math all day long, but that's just nuts. And, um, you know, Todd is overcome with emotion. He tries to apologize. He stands up and he says, Mr. Keating, you know, we know you didn't, we didn't mean it. We shouldn't have signed it. They made us sign this document and you didn't do anything wrong. And, and of course, you know, Mr. Keating played so well by Robin Williams. He's heartbroken and his face is kind of torn. He says, I know. And of course the headmaster's like, you need to leave, get out of here and stop talking. And, you know, this person shouldn't exist. And, and, um, and it's a it's a beautiful end to the film because Todd just looks at his desks and realizes that the there's one thing left he can do, um, which is literally stand on the desk, <laughs> right? Um, yep. And uh, of course, the headmaster goes completely nuts. He starts screaming at him, saying, "Get down from there!" And then, of course, he is followed by a few others, and then a few others, and then you know maybe eighty percent of the class ends up standing on the desk and looking at. Um, uh, Mr. Keating and reciting, Oh, Captain, my captain. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's uh, while, while the headmaster's losing his mind, um, Robin Williams, Mr. Keating is smiling and he says, you know, thank you boys so much, you know, cause he knows that the, no matter what his, his legacy of teaching at that school may be over. Um, but mm-hmm. he left a legacy where these, these men, uh, young boys, uh, are going to go and, and be free thinkers. And it, it took, um, it, it took the loss of their friend maybe to understand the gravity of what that means and how important Mm -hmm. that is. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's how it ends. Right. So yeah, you have him, him sheepishly kind of smiling and telling them, thank you, you know, for acknowledging, uh, what they taught him, but yeah, that's Dead Poet Society. So Michaela, 1989, this came out. Uh, we were pretty young then, but do you remember watching this when it came out? I think that this is rated PG. I want to say maybe PG. I think I think it's rated PG. Um, yes. But yeah, so is this something that you that you watched as a youngster, or not until later? Or? I did not. I think I watched this probably in high school. Um, okay. Probably in high school is when I first saw it. Um, I always got this and I think school ties mixed up with each other um, for some reason, because they were both boarding school films. (laughs) So um, uh, very different, very different subjects, really. But um, I remember seeing this and really loving uh, Robin Williams's, you know, impromptu uh, kind of. Uh, comedic response, although it was more subdued in this film than, mm-hmm. than it would be in, in so many others. Um, sure. I, um, yeah, so I've only seen it a couple of times, but I, it definitely, 
um, made an impact on me, especially as a watching someone like Neil who wanted to be an actor and who had very unsupportive parents. My parents were not unsupportive necessarily, but um, certainly mm-hmm. not the way his his father was. But it definitely resonated with me where it was something that he he was so desperate to be who he was. He'd rather die um, than, than see even the possibility that he not end up being who he is, which is sad um, because I think that, you know, in today's day and age, we could probably, um, we could probably have helped Neil in a very different way than we could have in 1959, um, you know, uh, to say it does get better, right. Whether it's you're, you're a person who loves acting or you're a person who is, um, it feels out of, out of place. You're struggling with any sort of trans issues or, um, sexual issues or anything as a formative person who is going and growing up, right. Uh, mm-hmm. as you discover who you are, um, you know, you def- you decide you're a Joni Mitchell lover and there's nothing that's going to hold you down from that. Um, whatever it is, <laughs> life does get better. It, you know, you will grow up and there are people, this world is really big and there are people that will support you and love you no matter what. Um, and I really, it breaks my heart to see this, but it's, it's important. I think this film is so important to, to show, um, that, you know, that, that is, it's still something that's very real that we, that people struggle with, but it's, um, it, there are, there are people out there that will see it and you can be a free thinker and yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? Did you see this when it came out? I mean, um, we were so, both like eight. <laughs> yeah. And say so we were like, yeah, like eight, nine years old when this came out. So um, I, I do remember seeing it pretty young. Um, like I think we probably would have like rented it at home uh, to watch at some point. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't really remember like that much about it. You kind of remember that Robin Williams is this teacher and uh, that he's, you know, kind of an oddball in the, the realm of teaching at the school, but I didn't really remember like too much else about it just because like I said, when I was pretty young when I would have seen it. So I've, I've probably only seen it a couple of times and, you know, just rewatching it uh, here, you know, for this podcast again, but yeah, this movie is really good. It's a really good coming of age story. Um, it's really good, uh, life lessons, um, that you can like, you know, any good coming of age story as you watch it, you know, when you're young versus when you're older, you're pulling different kind of lessons from it. Um, but they're still, you know, they're still applicable and they're still, they're still good. It's still entertaining. And that's what makes a really good, uh, coming of age story. And this is, this is one it's, it's really good. I, I wish that there would have been just a little bit more of like Todd and Neil, like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they're, you know, sat on the bridge. I wish that maybe there was just a little bit more of, you know, their kind of friendship explored, I think might've um, been yeah. a done a little bit more for me in terms of the overall story. But I mean, it, you know, it's, it's hard to see how brilliant Robin Williams is in this and not just absolutely love it. Um, and all the boys are really excellent in it. Cause they were all, you know, relatively young at the time that this was, like you said, this was Ethan Hawks, one of his very first, you know, at least kind of major motion pictures that, that he would have uh, been in for sure. And, you know, the careers that, you know, a lot of this cast went on to have beyond this. So yeah, it's, it's really good. It looks really really great um especially for the time but all this uh new england weather and uh you know nature kind of exterior shots of the school um look really great and yeah i was glad to go back and revisit it for sure and i think that it's 
a good watch and probably an important watch for, you know, people that are, you know, high school age, just coming out of high school, college age. I think that uh, you could take a lot of lessons and learn a lot and hopefully learn a lot about your uh, self and some of the lessons mm-hmm. in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very tough. Uh, gosh, it's, it's hard watching Robin Williams um, films. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, um, you know, especially when you think about the tragedy surrounded the end of his own life, it's very mm-hmm. difficult. Um, but yeah, it's so good. If you've, I mean, if you've not seen it, we've, we've, we've pretty much beat it to death here, but if you've not seen it, I really recommend uh, doing it. Cause I think it, it was a very important film for the late eighties. Um, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot going on in uh, America at that time around uh, defining who you are as a person um, and having that really, I, I feel that there was a, there were a lot, it really started to kind of crack open this idea that you could be different and different was really okay. Um, mm-hmm. There are, you know, a lot of other films that kind of talked about a similar theme um, where, you know, uh, maybe not theater, um, but other, other aspects where it's, you know, what, how do you stand up to your parents, um, and not let their, their wants and needs, uh, about who you are, you know, define you. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, some great life lessons. And I do agree. I think it would have been really cool to see more, um, of the banter between the two, you know, main boys, um, because you do see he's so devastated. Uh, Todd is so completely distraught when he finds out uh, about his friend, Neil. And so it makes you, uh, you know, kind of wish that you had more of that to go off of, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just a little bit, I think would have been good, but yeah, overall, this one's great. And I definitely recommend uh, checking it out. And I definitely recommend checking out the drink, the poet's dream. Uh, That one was really excellent. So definitely make those up and let us, you know, see pictures of yours. Let us know how you like that and let us know how you liked the movie or if you've never watched it before or want to check it out or, you know, what your favorite Robin Williams film is, you know, any of that stuff. You can let us know any of that or anything else you want to let us know on our Instagram and Twitter. It's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies. You can go check out our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com where we'll have pictures of our poet's dreams, uh, episode recaps, uh, you know, pictures of all of our other cocktails, um, all sorts of good stuff on there. Uh, so go check that out as well. Michaela, uh, they're listening to the podcast now, but uh, where should they go if they want to make sure they're subscribed and, you know, maybe uh, leave us a five-star review. You guys can all find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or anywhere that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. If you're listening to us and this is your first time, welcome. We love you. We're glad you're here. Please subscribe. And if you're loving us, please leave us a five-star review because it helps us get the Drink the Movie stuff out there. We're doing some really exciting stuff this fall. We want you to be part of it. We got so many movies to cover still. Um, We don't want you to miss any of it. So uh, stay, you know, subscribe, leave us a review, drop us a line. Um, and yeah, there we go. There we go. And with that, our, our admission into the Dead Poet Society uh, has been concluded. We're now full-fledged members. We have drank our poet's dreams. And I want to make another one or 
two of these because it was excellent. So uh, I think maybe we should go do that and we'll uh, find another movie to talk about next week. And I guess we'll talk to everyone next time on Drink Drink the the movies. Movies. Carpe diem. Oh, Captain, my Captain.